Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your amazing grace and mercy. Thank you so much for you are at work in history. Father God, thank you so much that you are at work in our history. Lord, speak to us, we pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, the chameleon. Do you know this amazing, fascinating animal, a chameleon? There are so many sorts of chameleon uh, in the world, in different places in the world. Um, I should have put some images, but chameleon are amazing uh, animals. And uh, why is so? We all know that they've got this ability, this feature of uh, hiding in different environments. Um, because of different kind of evolution um, in forest or in, on rocks and so on. But there is another feature that is less known about chameleon, is their eyesight, their vision, which is amazing as well. We maybe have all uh, pictures in our head right now of weird eyes of chameleon looking with one eye one direction and, and the, other one, uh, the other eye in, in another direction because chameleon are really specific about that. And I've picked up on, um, on Wikipedia really and trying to, to do my best to read about chameleon and their vision here. So um, they've got a unique feature uh, it includes a, a negative lens and a positive cornea, concave and uh, convex, and a monocular focusing. The chameleon eye is just amazing. The angle of eye movements in chameleons is very large, and the eye moves independently of each other, which is a bit uh, spooky, I guess, but, but, but that's the case. And so they can, chameleons, they can focus to one thing, for example, a prey, and with the other eye, they can have a, a larger, uh, a long view uh, of the environment around them. And, and it's amazing, and it's a good illustration of what we're doing in God's story uh, series of sermons during Lent. We're taking perspective with one eye, but with the other, we are looking at details in God's story. And this morning, we're trying to do that again with kings and kingdoms. And this morning, we're looking at that period of history, but also we're looking at this specific uh, text passage we just heard about with um, Samuel anointing um, uh, David as king and the fact that Saul was rejected and had this um, evil spirit coming in him. So that's really where we are at the moment, so please bear with me. Um, and also to help us with that, we have had this amazing booklet. Some uh, are left at the back. If you're new or if you're visiting, just pick one. Uh, it's the booklet of our series. But also today, I thought it was helpful probably just to also have the, a, a different vision of the Old Testament history, the biblical drama on this uh, piece of paper. And the two are related, really, because uh, three weeks ago, we started with creation. God created a good world, and he created humanity, which was very good. And he created men and women um, together, and that was... Uh, were created in the image of God, bearing uh, the likeness of God. And that was the act one. Um, and the mandate that was given to humanity was to rule, uh, to steward a creation. And, um, and what happened is that very soon uh, sin and death uh, as a consequences and uh, 
rebellion infected humanity, so that the act two, there is something happening there, a virus infected humanity. So that was our, our first week, three weeks ago, rule and rebellion. And then after that, uh, and we looked at Genesis, the beginning of Genesis. And then we looked at um, the fact that God, from the start, initiated a plan of salvation, a mighty plan of salvation. He wanted to reach out to humanity, to us, to each one of us. And it started with uh, the call of a man, Abraham, and promises that was given to that were given to Abraham, and promises about uh, a promised land, promises about blessings, and blessings in order to be a blessing for all nations, not just for ourselves and for himself. And as you can see on the paper, that was the Act 3, and there are different scenes. Abraham promises Isaac, Jacob, 12 sons, Joseph, and Egypt. And um, we looked as well the same week, so that was Genesis 12, the, the Abraham's calling, but we looked as well Exodus 12, which is um, Moses bringing the people of God out of Israel. So God calling a people, family, and freedom because of slavery in, in Egypt. So Act 3 and Act 4, we looked at that, and that was a mighty liberation for the people of God. But also the people of God were given uh, the Torah, the, the loving covenant between God and his people. That was in Exodus, but also you found it in, in the Torah, in the Pentateuch. Um, and that was two weeks ago. Last week, we arrived, whoop, fast forward, 500 years, af 500 years after, we arrived, Joshua, um, entering the Promised Lands. And uh, then we looked at the judges, many years, uh, dozens and hundreds of years of judges, leaders, that were there, and, and we, we reflected on that, the fact that last week, um, the land and legacy, but we reflected about the fact that there were cycles of uh, failures and cycles of blessings, and the people of God were caught into these circles. Today, kings and kingdoms, and um, in this sheet of paper, which is another view, it's Act 5, and you see that there are different scenes, and people of God are entering the Promised Lands, and today we are um, scene three. Samuel is anointing David. So, in the book of Samuel, if you read a little bit further from our text today, we discover that the people of God, they want a king. So far, they had had just uh, leaders showing up, and tribes, chiefs, and and uh, a theocracy, really. God was speaking through prophets, through seers, and now they want a king to resemble the other nations. And it's really ambiguous in the Bible, um, this idea of having a king, because God says to Samuel, the prophet, they're rejecting me, the Israelite people, by asking a king, they're rejecting me. And, um, but there is also this sense that a king in the Bible is a good thing when he's anointing by God, leading the people, uh, being a mediator. So we keep up, uh, we pick up, we pick up the Bible drama here this morning. So that was the one eye, chameleon, big perspective, the environment, the context. But today we're going to look a little bit closer to what happened to David and to his son Solomon and also to uh, the kings and kingdoms of uh, Israel. Um, Saul was 
chosen by God, was anointed as a king. But his heart was, uh, at one point, he started well, but his heart at one point was full of pride, full of uh, idolatry in a way to other gods than, than the God of Israel, Yahweh. And uh, God rejected him simply. And um, uh, God chose another one, David. And what is remarkable in our text is this uh, sentence from God to Samuel, where Samuel the prophet, he's a prophet, so he's a man of God, he's a man used to talk with God, to pray. Um, and Samuel is, uh, is thinking that the elder son of Jesse is going to be the king because he's a mighty man. But what God is saying is that I'm not looking at appearances, but I'm looking at the hearts. And that's what I, I want to uh, now come uh, in this second part of, of this little message. Um, the hearts. We've seen that at the beginning, God created a world, and that a virus infected the world, humanity, and the heart of, human, of, the, of humanity. And here God is choosing a man for himself in the person of David. That himself will have a son, Solomon, who will build the temple. The temple in Jerusalem is the place where God will dwell and will bless his people. So there is this theme in the big perspective again of uh, God wanting to dwell with his people. We lost God's presence in Eden in the beginning of uh, the biblical drama, but God wants to restore again and again his presence. Um, first in the tabernacle, in the, in, in the desert, but now in, in, the, in his presence in the temple in Jerusalem. But very soon, uh, after Solomon as a king, Solomon is going also to have uh, uh, issues in his heart. It's, uh, the problem of humanity is the problem of the human heart. Um, the heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. And, and, and the kingdom very soon is going to be divided. And on the picture uh, on the screen, you see that um, after David, after Solomon, which is the peak of Israel kingdom, there, there's going to be two kingdoms, 10 tribes on the north, uh, which the Bible could talk about the kingdom of Israel, and two tribes uh, with his capital city, Samaria. And the, the two tribes on, on the south with capital city, Jerusalem, the kingdom of Judah. And from now on, in Samuel, Kings, the, the book in the Bible, Kings, Chronicles, or even the prophets, either you're speaking about the kingdom of Israel or the kingdom of Judah. There are prophets that speak to uh, the kingdom of Israel. So sometimes it's a bit tricky when you read Kings or, or Chronicles because we're not speaking of the same kingdoms. Um, but just to, to, to have this idea. And, and these two kingdoms uh, are going to have different kings. And the northern kingdom... Most of the kings are going to be uh, rebellious to God, uh, unfaithful, and um, consequences of that is exile. Next week we will look at the exile. What does it mean for the people of God to be in exile, to, to come back to God, and, and to hear the prophets um, calling back them to God. But, uh, and then the, the southern kingdom, kingdom of Judah, is going to follow the same road a little bit later, 100 years, uh, 200 years after the kingdom of um, Israel, but the result will be the same. Jerusalem will be uh, destroyed, the temple will be destroyed, and where is God 
presence, then that will be the big question of, of uh, the prophets, some of the prophets, uh, people of Israel, uh, people of Judah, reflecting where is God now, why God has abandoned us. So that's the big picture. But let's come back to, uh, this, for this morning to, to Samuel anointing King David. So David is um, a shepherd. He's in the field when Samuel is coming to his family. And as we have heard, uh, but I can read it again, um, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I guess we live in a civilization of image pictures. Uh, a lot of sociologists say that today, nowadays, we, we love pictures, you know, Instagram and the first here. I love pictures. We did a, a beautiful tasting, and one day after, it was on, online, Facebook, Instagram, church, and so on. So there is something of, we love pictures in our civilization, in our Western world, and, uh, and that's, that's true, and we judge each other according to appearances and how we look, the, the way we're dressed. But it's not a, a new feature in many ways, and in our text, we see that um, Samuel, as I said earlier, was also attracted to the eldest son of David because he looked like could be a king. But here we've got David that has a heart of worshiper. He's got this heart. Uh, he's not perfect. We know that David later, a uh, couple of uh, chapters after, will also fail in, in different ways. And, um, but God is good. God is gracious. He knows the heart of David. He knows that David is seeking for God. He is uh, searching for him. You know, a lot of psalms in the Bible are written by David, as you know. And there are um, psalms of lament, there are psalms of joy, there are psalms of real life, the heart that is seeking for God's presence. And David is uh, now going to be king, and from his line, we know that Jesus is uh, a direct descendant of, of David, is from the Davidic line will come Jesus, and Jesus the Christ. Christ is not Jesus' surname. Christ means anointed, and Jesus has been anointed uh, as the king, the king of kings. He is the Messiah, the Christ. And Jesus is from the line of David. We will see that in two weeks' time when we enter into Holy Week, when we will um, discover Jesus uh, on Palm Sunday, uh, coming to um, uh, Jerusalem and coming to the cross, um, but what is interesting in our passage is the end, the two verses we've read, verse 15 and 16, and we heard about this weird thing that an evil spirit came on Saul, the rejected king, and tormented him. And I just want to unpack a little bit of that because it seems a little bit weird, um, but it's really um, it's really in a sense, simple, and of course, everything is not so simple, but, but um, we've got Saul, who is pride, who has um, finally, is uh, not finishing well, he started well, but finishing uh, not so well, he had allowed, he, has, um, he had allowed things to enter in his life, in his soul, in his heart. Uh, pride, I said, um, sins, sexual sins, and, and that has created in his heart um, breaches, we may say, spiritual world. 
um, it's, it's something that's um, I've allowed the one uh, we call Satan, the one we call the enemy, the one we call the accusator, to enter into um, uh, soul lives, and, and he's tormented. And what is amazing is that David is going to be chosen as the person who will um, play the liar and sing to him to appease, to make him more peace, um, to, for, for Saul to find more peace when he is in that state of uh, being tormented. And that's very interesting because, as we know, music is a very cathartic thing. Non-Christian, I've got plenty of friends that love music because when they go to the opera or when they go to uh, uh, sing Mika or whatever, uh, pop singer, they, they like it because it produces in them uh, a, a sense of peace, a sense of connection with something. But uh, sometimes in their life there are bigger things going on, uh, uh, breakdown or depression or um, not related to sin, Everything is not related to sin, I just need to, 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 to say, of course. But it is as if music was that uh, help for them. And we understand that. We can all understand that. So we can understand that Saul was looking for music to appease him. In the case of Saul, the, the text says it was related to evil uh, spirit and to sin. Uh, it may not be the case for everyone, as I said. But in that case, it was. And uh, David is chosen to play the music to him and to appease him. And we just said uh, that David has this heart of worshiper. He's anointed by God. When he sings, yeah, he sings, of course, he probably has a very good musician, but he, he has this extra thing about entering into God's presence, bringing God's presence. And, um, and that is something that Saul um, is appeased um, and, and, and help him. But that's, that's where... I want to hand this morning just to say that, just to say that, it was the time to end, but just to say that um, I heard this morning, we are in Lent, the Lent period is, is par excellence in Christian tradition, a period where we can let God's spirit to examine our hearts. And this morning, we've got this opportunity to have God's presence in worship a little bit later uh, with a great musician, great, but more than musician, they are worship leaders, they, they, they've got this heart of worshipers. And we've got this opportunity to be in God's presence to let our heart be examined. And, and maybe some of us are tormented. Uh, maybe some of us are not tormented by evil spirits, but they are uh, just sad or suffering from uh, breakdowns. But whatever our situation is this morning, we know that God, during our worship, can be present and can touch our hearts and can uh, heal us. He can uh, reveal things. He can um, remove evil spirits for some of us and deliver us. So that's what, why we do that every Sunday. Why, of course, we praise God for who He is, but also we believe that during this time of worship, we can enter into God's presence and He can reveal uh, to, to us, ourselves, or to friends, if we are prayed for, uh, specific, specific things. You know, I don't want us this morning to live and be not transformed and not change in some ways, because as I said, uh, we can go to the opera, have a nice time, uh, by the music being 
appeased by the music and find peace, then leave the upper line and our life is not changed. This morning, our life can be changed and transformed. And I believe that. And, and um, so what I suggest is that um, now we can probably have a, a time of worship music. Just come into that space. Um, as I said from the beginning of the biblical drama, God wants to dwell with us. The presence of God we lost in Eden, he wanted to bring back to Israel in the tabernacle, in the temple, and in, supremely in Jesus, King Jesus. And this morning, King Jesus is with us uh, by his spirits, by his words, by his body. Uh, we are the body of Christ. And so I believe that God wants to touch us, to transform us. So what I suggest is that we stand up and during the worship time, let's um, let the spirit touch us.